Welcome to She Said, She Said. I'm your host, Laura Cox Kaplan. My guest today is Caroline Carter. Caroline has helped literally thousands of people deal with their clutter and transform their homes to maximize return on investment when they sell. She is the CEO of a company called Done in a Day. That company specializes in what's referred to as total home transition, what we used to refer to as home staging. It's much more complicated than that. But her job actually requires more than just helping you tidy up and put away a few photographs. She's a part-time therapist, handholder, and trusted confidant to many, many individuals where discretion is key. Caroline is here today to talk about how to tame our emotional attachment to stuff in order to get more bang for our buck when we sell our home. Caroline, my friend, welcome to She Said, She Said. Thank you, Laura. I'm so excited to be here today. Well, I'm so happy to have you. And in the interest of disclosure, you've helped me on pretty much every big girl move that I've had. Absolutely. <laughs> in the last decade plus. So right. <laughs> she knows what she's talking about. <laughs> Let's start with this notion of total home transition, what we used to really refer to as home staging. What is that? Okay, total, that's a good question. Total home transition is the process that sellers go through from the moment they decide to sell their home through the move process until they unpack the last box in their new home. Okay, it's a three-part process. Mm -hmm. The first part is to create the perfect listing to position the house to sell while also preparing for an eventual move to the new house. The middle part of the process we call being in limbo land, which is when your house is on the market. It's this sort of negative roller coaster of feedback you receive from the market at large. And the last part of it is supervising and orchestrating the perfect move for your family. How do you know when you need someone like you? How does a person know? Everybody needs someone like me. <laughs> no, seriously. I, part of my job is when I meet with a family before they begin this process is to help educate them. Um, educate them on the process that they are going to go through over the next X amount of time. Now, some people are very lucky. They do very little to position their house to sell or stage their home to sell, and it sells right away. Others could be on the market for months to years. So, so part of my process is educating sellers on exactly what to expect as they go through this process. There are three areas that, that we cover that are in incredibly important. The first of which is the physical process, what you can expect throughout these stages. The second is the emotional process, which we know is one of, if not the most difficult part of the process for sellers. Mm -hmm. And the third is the financial disclosure. You know, people think the minute they decide to sell their home, they're just thinking in terms of the, the home sale. And not all of the finances that are attached to leaving your home, mm -hmm. what that means. So it's only in the rearview mirror when we're reconciling the expenses, if we ever even get there, that we look back and we go, God, I had absolutely no idea what the true cost of transition was mm. physically, you know, emotionally, and financially. No wonder people are exhausted. Absolutely. 
Let's drill down into number two, the emotional piece, because I think, at least personally, I really underestimated that. The first big move that I did, I was very unprepared emotionally for how disruptive this process would be. A move is always disruptive, but there's an emotional component. And when you have a family that you're managing and potentially a dual career household, um, potentially children are involved, talk to me about how you approach this and, and sort of advice for your clients when you start this process? Well, that is really a great question and a great place to start. Typically, when I meet with a family, everybody's excited, as I said, and we are um, all excited to sell the house and we've made that decision. What then happens is very, very quickly, people then go off to their day jobs and one person ends up being in charge of the entire process. So emotionally, that begins to weigh on the one person who I refer to as the tour leader, okay, who is going to see this process through from beginning to end. Now, I don't want to be um, sexist, but most often in my business of home transition, it is the woman. It is the mother. Even if it's a dual career household, which many of these women are, these women have the children, the dogs, the appointments, the school functions, not to mention her own, you know, very high-powered position as, as, you know, a board member or all the different activities she's involved in to support her family's best interest. This then becomes a, a real yoke around her neck. And when I come in, the first thing I do is discuss how this is going to affect her emotionally. She's used to being in charge. She's used to creating a list and Xing things off her list. She is interested in doing the best job for her family in terms of orchestrating this overall process. Her husband may be in charge. And again, I'm not being sexist. I'm just saying, you know, he may be in charge of his office, his closet, and the electronics. <laughs> the rest is up to her. Pretty sure that's what happened at my Yes, house. <laughs> it was. Yes, it was. So, so the first thing we talk about really is, okay, how am I going to handle this? And what sort of emotional decisions am I going to be expected to make? Well, the easy decisions are, yes, we've decided to sell the house. You've already, you've already made that emotional decision. What no one prepares you for is the fact that potentially, if you are designing your home to sell, someone is going to come in and potentially change everything that you have so lovingly chosen, built through the years to make that house a home for your family. I often have to come in after decorators that are very well-known decorators that have a signature style. Some of it may or may not be appropriate when you're designing your home to sell. It kills me when I have to address painting over or removing scalamandre wallpaper. That's difficult. But again, I am here as your seller advocate to help you make the best decisions. So emotionally, you may be, it, it may be very difficult when I say, okay, we're going to start at the most difficult parts of the house being the attic, the basement, the garage. Because the first thing you want to do is something that you can manage, mm. that's manageable for you, that you can check off your list and feel good about. So you'll say, well, why don't we start in the pantry? Because you're more comfortable there. In which case, I'll remind you that I am here to help you. I am your advocate, and I'm going to keep you focused in knowing you know, what to do first, you know, what, in what order, how it's going to make the best, you know, the, the biggest impact, let's say on transitioning your family to the next step. So 
emotionally, one of the biggest um, drawbacks to, to home transition is having to make a decision about things that we are emotionally connected to. Mm-hmm. Very often, that will be things stored in the attic, storage room, basement. This is my dressing table that was my Aunt Shirley's from you know the early 1920s. She left it to my mother to leave to me. And what do I do with it? I'm never going to use it. My daughter Lane doesn't want it. Um, Do I sell it? How can I possibly sell it? I can't get rid of it. It was mine when I was little. So we talk about decisions like this and how how to divorce yourself or how to walk through the process of not wanting something to end in, you know, a junk pile that's going to the dump or even a donation pile that you don't have control over where it's going. So we walk through that process and decide what's going to make the most sense for you. Is it going to be to repurpose that piece of furniture? Can you paint it? Can we use it, maybe not in the way it was originally intended, but can we use it some some other way if it's painted with new knobs? Can we reposition it somehow? Finally, I can walk you through the best way to dis- dispose of it so that it makes sense for you so that you can live with that. Meaning, do we take a picture of it and immortalize it in a photo album and then give it to a family through a donation that could really use it as a dressing table for their child or as a desk for their child and feel good about that donation? Part of what you're getting at is this weird emotional attachment to stuff that we have. Absolutely. And what you're outlining are ways to deal with that so that you feel better about basically getting rid of it. That's or exactly right. Giving it away. Why do we have such an attachment to stuff? It's a big question well, and kind of hard to answer, I suspect. But well, I, I I think it goes to the fabric of who we are as people. We tend to really be emotional about the way we grew up, where we grew up, whether it's good or bad. Part of our story. It's part of our story. It's part of the fabric of who we are. With the you know advancement of technology, it's one-click ordering. Right. And we are just inundated <laughs> with the newest version. It, it doesn't matter what your poison is. It could be shoes. It could be shopping. It could be electronics or cars or whatever it is. But, but we want the new next best thing. What it doesn't help us with is what do we do with the oldest, most emotionally meaningful thing? Well, the, one of the interesting things that I explain to people is the self-storage industry, okay, has generated in 2017 alone $32.7 billion in revenue. And what that means to me is that we can't get rid of our stuff. Right, it's the fastest growing segment that's, of the real estate market, That's right? exactly right. So the, the problem here is not, is not how do we get rid of it or should we get rid of it, but examining why we're keeping it. Okay, what is it about that piece? And to try to really drill down deep to answer that question, because once you answer that, you may be able to let it go. That's quite a process to go through. So if you are pressed for time as it relates to putting together a move, sorting and organizing your stuff. So let's say ultimately it becomes necessary for you to secure one of these self-storage areas, which obviously lots of people right, do, lots which of people is do. why it's yes. growing by leaps and bounds. That right. is an investment opportunity for all of us, I would say. Um, but what's your advice for people once you do secure a self-storage facility? What's your advice for sort of dealing with that long-term? So so the question is long-term. 
storage is a knee-jerk reaction for people and may often may often replace what you need to go through to actually touch every item in your house once. During a total home transition, we work with you room by room, okay, to touch each one of these items. There may be some that you can't make a decision on, and we immediately put them to the side and create a TBD pile to be determined because those are more difficult emotional decisions to make. For the most part, the, the sellers that I've worked with through many years are able, if you um, sort it, pre-sort it for them, there are a lot of decisions they can make very quickly and it helps empower them to feel that they are able to maintain some control of this process. Because one of the biggest fears is I let people into my home to help me with this process. They're in my underwear drawer. <laughs> they know all my deep, dark secrets. But, but in fact, what they do is they work with you to pre-sort these rooms or these items so that you are quickly able to make the best use of your time to say, okay, well, I know I'm not going to use that. So this is going to be packed to store, packed to store, packed to store. That I can definitely donate. That I want to sell. So it ha- helps to keep you on task. Mm-hmm. So with reference to storage, I discuss with clients all the time You need to ask yourself how long you are willing to pay for storage. Storage is like a deep, dark hole, okay? One of the things that we talk about is what, how often are you going to access this storage? Is this storage, should this be palletized storage where you're saving it for your children? You're not going to need it for 20 years. You don't need to access it. Sometimes that's really what it is. It's furniture that you want to save for your children, but they're not at the age or they're not at the stage in their lives where, you know, they may be living in a small one-bedroom apartment in New York. They're not married yet. They've said that they want these, you know, this furniture, this artwork, this whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And so that'll go into palletized deep dark storage in a warehouse that you don't need to access. Self-storage means it's accessible. The thing that you need to understand about self-storage is it's, it's difficult to put something in storage and then deal with it. It's like the ability to delay the decision-making associated with, with what's there. Right. People use storage as a, as a parking place. And what I can tell you, being inside the industry as an advocate for my sellers and know all the ins and outs of the self-storage industry, is you have to be prepared for those costs to incrementally increase every six months automatically. Now, most people will continue to pay it because they don't want to deal with it. They're too busy. Okay, I get that. But you will wake up 10 years later, you will go to storage, and you will say, oh my God, why did I keep this? And it was because we weren't able to focus ourselves enough at the time to to slow our roll and say, wait a minute, do I really need to keep this? And if so, why? And how long am I willing to keep it? So what I suggest to clients is consider storage for a year. It takes a year to fully transition from one home to the next. And I believe that a year is a great amount of time to give yourself to be able to access this. You'll be in a better frame of mind once you've transitioned to, you know, take a morning, get some labor to help you and go over there and make those decisions that you were not able to make emotionally during the transition process. 
I suspect that people, the out of sight, out of mind phenomenon, it is hard to dedicate the time because the time also requires an emotional commitment to ultimately make decisions about this stuff. So in the meantime, you can forget what's actually There's no doubt about it. So what's the process you recommend for your clients to make sure that you don't just completely lose track of what is actually in those storage units? That that is a very common problem. Um, (laughs) So what we do at Done in a Day is we create a visual inventory with measurements. Very often, people do, they forget. They forget the size, they forget the color. So it's very important, anything going into storage, that you do have an inventory that you can then refresh your memory to, to say, okay, I know exactly what, what's in those boxes. It is truly important, unlike movers, uh, whose inventory very often doesn't make sense, for instance, um, they will put chair on the moving inventory. <laughs> that could be a dining room chair, a side chair, a club chair, a Parsons chair, a swivel chair. It could come from all different areas of the house, but yet it's marked on the inventory chair. <laughs> so we have taken great steps to perfect that process so we know exactly what chair it is. Um, just like in the boxes, it's important. You can't just say China. Mm-hmm. You have to be very, very specific about what's in those boxes because you will, in fact, forget. Because you oftentimes are dealing with women, again, that's a generalization, and we're not trying to be sexist here. This is just the reality. It certainly certainly the re- has been the reality in my house. Uh, my husband's always been very supportive. But Absolutely. It, but I end up being the one who, who works with you and your team, ultimately. So some might call me a bit of a control freak. Really? Maybe, <laughs> maybe have a tendency toward perfection. Yeah. All these nasty words that we talk about on this podcast. Right. And my guess is, since it comes up so often, I'm probably not alone. So how do you deal with that, what tends to be a very female tendency toward perfectionism? And how do you deal with that person who is very precise about how she likes things? Perfection. The idea of perfection is, is different for different people. But I find that I resonate with the women tour leaders that are charged with the responsibility of transitioning their family from one home to the next because with this high ideal, I am able to explain to them, excuse me, explain to them the process. They, They understand, they resonate once I educate them on what to expect meaning from from the beginning to the end, here's what you can expect. Here's how I will work with you and guide you. Here's what you are going to need to focus on, and the rest, I've got your back. We run into an issue when people that are perfectionists and used to, in their daily life, being in charge, they are the decision makers. They are the ones who move their family forward in all of these different areas. And I would come in or someone in my team would come in and say, okay, I've got your back. It's very difficult for them to give up control. And what I find is that sometimes we have to take a step back. Once the seller gets it and says, okay, I get where you're going with this, we do have to allow them to personalize it in a way that makes meaningful impact for themselves and their families. And then we take a support role, okay? For, there are a lot of sellers who don't know what to expect. And my, my passion, my mission, if you will, is to empower sellers to take charge of this transition, take charge of this asset. And we learned very, very early on in this process that, you know, 
designing a home to sell or, or selling your home and moving were always have always been considered two separate processes. We originally focused on the asset. How do we transition families? How do we prepare an asset to sell for top dollar in a short amount of time? What we quickly learned was that's not where the real opportunity is. The real opportunity is recognizing the total home transition process as one continuous process. That the sellers that I would meet were were like a deer in headlights. They didn't know who to believe, where to start. They literally, once they made the decision to sell, were reactive in terms of their approach. I decided that families needed help. Women in particular, who I was able to resonate with. I was a single mom with three kids. Um, I had moved multiple times. I am not a pack rat by any stretch, but understand the emotion associated with, you know, sorting, purging, organizing, donating. It's brutal. So I understood that these women oftentimes were left on their own to handle this entire transition that they knew nothing about. Both the real estate industry and the moving industry are very confusing. Okay, we look to experts to help them help us through these transitions, but yet there was no one advocating for the family from beginning to end. Mm -hmm. And that's when I began to look at this as one total process from designing your home to sell all the way through the move to be able to educate on best practices. Look, here's what we have to watch out for, but I've got your back. Do you know how to read a bill of lading? Do you know how? I mean, if you are not in these industries, you don't know what constitutes an expert but we do, Mm -hmm. which is why we have built this reputation of total and complete trust and discretion. We live in Washington, D.C., after all. Um, You know, we have a lot of, um, you know, high-powered people in very high places that are extremely private. They, They want to know, at the end of the day, even what we see when we walk into their homes, which is you know, beautifully displayed and designed. Once we go to the underbelly of the house, they're just like everybody else. They need help just like everybody else. You can't open the attic because the door won't open because it's so full. They don't even know what's up there. So, So the point is, the emphasis became more about the family. How to successfully transition again and again and again, how to produce successful outcomes, how to empower these moms, these women to take charge of this process and not rely solely on a realtor to guide them or solely on a mover. I mean, truly, as a as a total home transition expert, I am the family's advocate to make sure that you are making, you have enough education to be able to make the best decisions for your family. Let's talk about a different type of move. Sure. Um, increasingly, we're taking care of older aging parents. You have to deal with a home transition that is has a whole different set of emotional components. Maybe one spouse has passed away and you're having to help a mom or a dad who's aging. Talk about that process because I'm sure that's a growing part or is a big part of your client base as well. It is. It is huge. We do a lot of estates. So we very often will work with families that live in different areas of the country that need to, for instance, if there's a, a, a final death and we're dealing with an estate, someone, okay, typically us, would go in and begin the purging, sorting, 
organizing process so then the heirs can come in and and be able to see what they'd like as remembrances from the estate. They are not typically in a position where they can take weeks off at a time to go through a large home where everything is is mixed together. Your Baccarat crystal is next to the Polish lead crystal. They need someone who, who can tell the difference to be able to help them make sense out of, out of what is an overwhelming process. Where do we start? What we typically do is we will guide them in terms of when they, you know, when it's appropriate to reach out to auction houses, what could be consigned. We are looking for rare objects or collections, whether it's first editions of books or hand-painted china. We did an attic one time and, and the gentleman who is still one of my absolute favorite movers was moving to assisted living. He lived in his house for 40 years and when doing the basement, um, he said, I don't want any of that. And I said to him, Chuck, that's not my decision to make, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull out anything that looks to be of value and then we'll look at it. And as it turned out, one of the bowls that I found was really sort of strange looking, turned out to be an ancient Inuit artifact and sold for $17,000 at auction. Oh my goodness. So no one was more surprised than Chuck, who danced happily to the (laughs) bank with his check. But it just begs the point that not everybody's an expert in every area. And so it's important to understand when to bring in an appraiser. So those are some some of the services that we provide during this extremely emotional time. We, we like to be a source of trust and guidance, expert guidance. It's certainly not up to me to value an Inuit bowl, but to know when it's time to bring in an expert in a particular field. Yeah. So let's talk a bit about entrepreneurship. Okay. Um, you started this business how many years ago? Um, it's 13 and a half now. 13 and a half years ago. And you started it not because you had a burning desire to be a, her, a home transition expert, but really out of necessity, not great circumstances. Let's talk about what that process was like in building a business. Tell me your story. Um, it was it was it was difficult. I'd love to say brutal, but it. Um, I was married for twelve years, had three beautiful little children had not worked in 12 years, had full-time te- full-time help, lived in a $2 million house, surrounded by my Herond and Baccarat and beautiful furniture. But then my uh, ex-husband and I separated, and my life changed overnight because we decided to separate. And anybody that knows anything about child support understands that you certainly can't live in this area on child support. As I said, I hadn't worked in 12 years, although I was always in sales and marketing and I'm a very outgoing, gregarious person. And I remember thinking, okay, I have to go back to work now. You know, um, what am I going to do? I remember sitting down in a chair, and it was January of uh, 2004, as a matter of fact. And I remember feeling sheer terror at how am I going to do this? Because, of course, the easiest decision for me would have been to pack up the kids and move far away to a less expensive area. But I didn't want to do that to my children, um, nor did I particularly want to do that. So when we sold the house that we uh, lived in, that really was the beginning of a a huge change that I, I really resonate with my clients because the rug was pulled out from underneath 
me and my children. And it's a very, very difficult, uncomfortable, terrifying for many people place to be. But I, but I sat down and I thought, geez, what am I really good at? And the one thing that I'm really good at is creating order out of chaos. I can see a finished room in my head. I can see a, a pantry that you can't even open the door. I can see it perfectly arranged. And I thought to myself, okay, so other people have a problem with that. I'm an experienced shopper who creates the look for less. Um... And I love teaching, educating, empowering. And I thought, okay, how am I going to pull all this together? And I decided to hang out my shingle for $50 an hour. I will help you organize anything, just about. I was referred to someone who, a a young woman with two very, very small children who was living in San Francisco at the time. And she had lost her husband unexpectedly as he was out running and he had a heart attack and died. And she decided that she needed to move back to Washington, D.C. from San Francisco where she was comfortable. I was referred to her. She reached out to me and said, I am literally, I've just bought this place sight unseen uh, in Washington. I know it needs to be painted. Uh, That's all I know. Can you go in and take care of it? And then I'm going to send a 53-foot truck with our stuff and just throw it in the house. So that was the beginning. That was the beginning. And and it sort of grew organically from there. So that's how I started. Wow, that's an amazing story. How did you have the confidence? You hadn't worked in a number of years. You find yourself in a very difficult situation. That can be hard to muster the confidence to put one foot in front of the other and say, you know what, I've never done this, but I'm going to do it. It's still hard. Laura, you know, as an entrepreneur, you have to psych yourself up every morning. It's still challenging. But I know that the message, I'm a truth teller. And I believe in empowering families, in this particular case, to to take charge of their own transition and, and understand how to, what they need to do to create a positive, more positive than negative transition for their own families. It's not rocket science, but there is a science to it. Mm -hmm. And I believe in telling the truth early and often. And I thought, if I look at this project and give it everything I have and use the skills and abilities that I know are somewhat unique, meaning if everybody could do this, they would be doing this. If everybody could be an entrepreneur, they would. Not everybody is driven internally. I happen to be driven internally, and I compete most often with myself, which is scary because if, again, we talked about being a perfectionist, so you're always trying to bring your A game to for me, for my own family, and for each one of my clients that I'm very, very vested in. Um, I'm still on each one of our projects because I, I take the position of educator and expert guide very, very seriously. So is it hard to be an entrepreneur? Yes, but it's exciting too. It's exciting when you see that you've had an impact on a family, on a woman, for instance, if she is trying to take charge of her own transition and watch the light bulb go off and watch her say, hey, all I needed was this 10-step process and I'm groovy. I'm good to go. And see the genuine relief 
the gen- to see the confidence come back. We see people in all states of brokenness throughout this process because it is an emotional roller coaster. Even under the best of circumstances. There is right? no doubt about it. And and what I tell people is really expect the unexpected, but I've got your back. Because I know after transitioning over 2,000 families, what the unexpected generally, what the unexpected things are. And I'm prepared for them on your behalf. So would I be anything other than an entrepreneur? Gee, I don't know. But I do know that I have the ability to do this and change families' outcomes one family at a time. So I, I think I'm pretty happy where I am right now. How do you define success for yourself? Well, as a single mother, I will tell you that that the reason I am in this business is financial. I just finished educating one child, and I've got, over the next four years, two more in college. For anybody whose children are college age, this is not an insignificant amount of money. My promise to my children as a single mother is to educate them to the best of my ability. So I am financially driven first. I'm sorry if that's not politically correct to say, but it's the reality of my life. My life changed drastically from a position of total financial comfort, where I was an expert shopper just because I could be, to one where I literally had to get to know the finances of not only running a home, but building a business. I, I love the fact that I can show my daughters and my son, you know, mom has built a successful, well-regarded company in the DC metro area, but they've seen the sacrifices we've had to make financially, emotionally, as a family, physically, you know, we, we, we had to downsize from a, a large, beautiful, stately home to a crack shack. You know, no updates to it for the past 30 years. And a, an older couple had, had aged out of it. And we made it our project as a family. What advice do you have for other entrepreneurs? Or maybe other women who find themselves in a similar circumstances. Um, maybe they've gone through a divorce. Maybe they've lost a spouse. Or... Maybe they haven't been in the workforce and they're trying to put to find, uh, to make an idea happen. That's a, that's a great question. The first thing I would tell them is what I tell my sellers. Okay, this is a marathon, not a race. Breathe. Every day is a new day. Bring your A game. Take care of yourself. This sounds very basic, but, you know, take care of mind and body. Um, they are wholly connected. And, and believe in yourself because everybody has a unique message. The key is, are you able to monetize that message? I'm very lucky because I have been able to work with a great team over the last 13 plus years to monetize the ability to create order out of chaos for sellers. The other thing I, I'd probably tell them is you're not alone. Regardless of your circumstance, surround yourself with people who understand the walk you've walked. Because it's very difficult to understand that particular walk, the ins and outs, the financial, the financial, the physical, the emotional roller coaster that you're on if you are not around people that have made that walk. They can empathize, but they can't quite understand it at the visceral level that that you can. And the internet and social media has allowed us now to expand our platforms and reach people that we ordinarily would not be exposed to 
or could reach. You're not alone. You're never alone. So we ask every guest on the podcast to leave us with their best piece of advice or life hack, or maybe it's a mantra. Maybe it's that one thing you tell every client. Maybe it's the advice you give your kids. What is yours? Um, The most important thing in my business of emotional transition, let's not even talk about the physical or the financial, but let's talk about emotional transition, is to breathe and understand that in fact, this is not a race. If it's a race, then you're looking at it totally wrong. It is a marathon. And like any marathoner, marathoner will tell you, you need to prepare. You need to understand what you're up against to be able to meet these challenges and create successful outcomes. I typically will tell people, you are not alone. The first question they ask me is, have you ever seen anything this bad? And the fact of the matter is, everybody lives like this. No one wants to admit it, but we all have areas of our lives, rooms in our houses that are not tidy. This goes way beyond tidy. This is not a simple tidy. It's about creating a life's successful outcome. One of the five most difficult transitions in life to make is is a move. Helping people to understand that you will walk through this in in a prepared fashion, you will make the best decisions for your family, and you will emerge on the other side feeling great because you've done this, you've taken part in this. You didn't step back and allow someone else to do it for you, but you literally met this head on and dealt with it in a successful way with the, with the best interest of your family in mind. So I would say just slow down, slow your roll, think and act with purpose and create a meaningful outcome, not just for yourself, but for others you come in contact with. Caroline, thank you so much. Loved having you here no, today. Thank you, Laura. It was a real pleasure. Thank you. To learn more about Caroline, you can visit our website at www.shesaidshesaidpodcast.com. You can also follow our content on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And if you're enjoying this podcast, we would greatly appreciate a review. Please let us know what you think. Thanks, as always, for listening.